Us with your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, before we get to the centrality of Jesus, I do want to make mention if you're new here and I've not met you yet, my name is Steve Eden. I'm the senior pastor here at Grace Church. And uh, one of the values we have, one of the things we center on is we live connected to Christ. We abide in loving union with Christ through his indwelling life. When you got born again, when you asked Christ into your heart, you didn't get a religion, you didn't get a church membership, you got life that you did not possess before. You got Christ living inside you. Colossians one twenty seven says this is the mystery of the gospel. Uh, so we abide in this loving union with Christ. We don't cause the union. Amen? We live in the reality of what He has caused, what He has done. Now we consented to receive Him but he created the union, and then that's based on John 15, 4 and 5, because apart from him, we should do nothing. And then uh, my ask for this week, because I usually forget, is First John 3, 1. You're going to love this one. Behold, which means beheld by, what manner of love the Father has lavished upon us. Eat that word lavished. That he's lavished upon us that we should be called what? Children of God. And it's kind of been where we've been camping out. So you can send your letters. Some of you have been sending me your love letters to Steve at gracechurch.community. Where's uh, Allison? She had made right there. Allison, hold up your uh, filter sheet there. What we mean by eat the word is a set of filters that we use to observe things in scripture with the help of the Holy Spirit. And so anyway, she brought that up and said, hey, when you mention that, you might mention the filter sheet too. So there you go. Um, We've been talking about the centrality of Jesus and Him being laid as the foundation of not only Grace Church, but our individual lives, our marriages, our families, our businesses, all of those things. And how is He doing it? Well, know His person, uh, know His, te- know his uh, works, and then know His teaching is where we've been. You, you want to be a disciple of jesus you're a follower of christ well you need to know him you need to know what he came to do that's his works and now right now we're knowing his teaching what's the first thing he taught and demonstrated truth the reality of truth if man continues to think that the truest thing about him himself is what he says about himself we're headed for disaster and dysfunction Because we did not make ourselves. The truest thing about us is what God says about us. And uh, so this war in our culture over what God says is good versus what man says is good is kind of where we're at. But Jesus came to bear witness of truth. And then number two, he taught God as our father. Now this, this is a never heard before, I guess unheard of, concept that jesus is teaching and demonstrating nobody in the old testament called god father Uh, jesus shows up and uses the term abba uh, an, an aramic term for basically it means daddy god and that he's relating to god as god's own offspring and he came not to hoard that 
but that you could experience life as a son as well, as, a, as an offspring of God. And this, this wasn't plan B. It wasn't like, uh, you know, here's the Old Testament, we're rolling along with the law, and oh, by the way, I think I'll change my mind and make sons. His plan was to have sons all along. I'll show it to you in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. And in love, God chose us before He laid the foundation of the universe. Everybody say, I'm chosen. Because of His great love, He ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in His eyes. Unstained innocence. My goodness. You reckon that uh, perfect father in the parable of the prodigal son... When he's looking at his his son who's coming back out of the pig pen. How's he hug him? How's he kiss him? How's he tackle him? Because it was always supposed to be that his son would be holy with an unstained innocence. That's how the father saw the son. We'll get into that today. Verse 5 and 6. For it was always in God's perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful kids. Sonship. Through our union with, with Jesus. This was always the plan. This isn't plan B. Through Jesus Christ, that His tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify His grace for the same love that He has for the beloved Jesus. He has for you. Now, I'm not making this up. This is right out of Scripture. The same love that He has for Jesus Christ, He has for you. Amen. And this unfolding plan, well... He begrudgingly unfolded it. It's like, I really don't like him, but okay. This plan gives him what, church? Great pleasure. So Jesus comes to share and introduce to you. He's teaching it. He's modeling it that you would know life as a son. And when, when I say son, that includes the ladies. Okay? Sons and daughters. Children of the Most High God. How about this? Lord, teach us to pray. What did he say? Pray this way, our Nobody in the Old Testament called God Father. So he's introducing a family. He's introducing a relationship. There's a, there's a difference between if, if I come up to Brian and say, Hey, Brian, I really need a favor. I really need $200. Can I have $200? I'm asking out of a certain type of relationship. But if Wyatt comes and asks him for $200, Wyatt, as a son of Brian, has a different relationship dynamic than I do. Now, he'll still give it to me because <laughs> he loves me as his brother. <laughs> but this is what Jesus is introducing. This is offensive to the religious people. How dare you? We wouldn't even, we wouldn't even write God's name down and you're calling him your dad. So when you pray, our Father who art in heaven, that's how you do it. And then, then he said, John 10, 30, the Father and I are one. And then he said in John 14, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Why is this important? Why is he revealing the Father to you? So you can know and experience daily life as a son. Not knowing God from behind a four to six inch veil. The Father tore the veil from top to bottom. He did it. You didn't open the veil. He opened it. And He didn't open it so you could come in. He opened it so He could come out and come into you. Amen. Woo! Come on, Holy Ghost. Wow. That's so powerful. 
He said things like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When you worship the Father, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, worship Him in spirit and in truth. He said this in John 8, if you know me, you'll know the Father too. Matthew 5, when you love people that aren't nice to you, you're sons of your Father who's in heaven because He sends rain on the the evil as well as the good. He sends rain on... He's, in other words, he's not saying, okay, I think rain on Michelle's house today. Ron, you've been a bad, bad boy. No rain for you. No, God's not looking to everybody around town to decide who he's going to be good to. He's good. And he's your father, my goodness. And when they would question Jesus about his identity and his mission and his message, he would always refer to his father. Everything went back to the Father. My Father sent me. If you loved Him, you would love me because I came from Him. I'm carrying Him to you. Oh my goodness. But they couldn't see it, right? He said, you're of your father the devil. What do you mean by that? You you exemplify and exude nature from Lucifer. I exude nature from my Father. That's what it is to be a son. You're a container of the DNA of God. The divine nature of the Almighty is in you. Amen. Well, I don't always act like it. Well, I don't either. But you know what? He's a good Father, and He's there to help me up. He doesn't throw me out in the street and say, Come back when you're more like me, Steve. I can't be like Him without Him. So I go to the Father to learn how to be His Son. I spend time with Him despite my mistakes because He's good to me and He's teaching me sonship, which is one of the things that Jesus came and taught and modeled and introduced to us. It's just incredible. He's introducing to us life as Father and Son. This is, this is painting. This picture is Jesus revealing, giving His life to a new kind of relationship between humanity and God. And I'm telling you, this was the plan all along, was sonship. Amen. Let's get into the Word, shall we? John 14, 7. <laughs> Jesus said, if you'd have known me, you'd known my Father also. How about that statement? And from now on, you know Him and have seen Him. You've seen the Father Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's sufficient. And literally what he said was, if you'll show us the Father, we'll believe. We'll believe you. Jesus said, have I been with you so long, and you still don't gnosko me? You still don't recognize me? The Father is in me. Speaking to you now. (laughs) He who's seen me has seen the Father. How is it that you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? The words that I speak to you, I don't speak of my own authority. The Father who dwells in me is doing the works. The Father's doing the works. The Father's revealing Himself now to you through the Son. Why? Relationship, intimacy, Sonship, daughtership, the plan from day one that you'd be his offspring and we'd colonize the earth with our father's nature, not Lucifer's nature. 
self-centeredness, greed, lust, all those things. Me, 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 myself, and I. That's Lucifer's nature. The nature of God, full of love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and benevolence. And nobody has the power to make us not be kind. Nobody has the power to make us not be forgiving. You ever see that where somebody loses a loved one to a, a murder or you know something terrible and they go on the news and say, I'm praying for them. I'm praying for that person. I pray that they come to know the love of God. Nobody has the power to ruin their life. Nobody has the power to be Lord over them and make them repay evil for evil. Amen. This is the Spirit-led, Spirit-filled life. We're not driven by the world. We're driven by Christ within us. Do you not believe I'm in the Father? Father's in me. The Father Himself is doing the works. That's verse 10. Verse 11, believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. But if you can't see it, believe me for the sake of the works themselves. That word gnosko, by the way, is right there. To come to know, to recognize, understand completely or experience. Philip, are you not experiencing the Father? Because He's in me. Why do you say, show us the Father? You're experiencing Him. You're coming to know Him. Now, pause right here. The good news on Jesus Christ saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, is that He is. Jesus is not some man's interpretation of who God is. He's not some TV preacher's interpretation of who God is. He's not Steve Eden's opinion of who God is. Jesus Christ is God's perfect and personal revelation of Himself. Thank God. Thank God God has revealed Himself to us. We don't have to fumble in the dark anymore. Because if you've seen Christ, you've seen the Father. Well, that's a, that's a powerful truth there. He didn't say, if you've seen Moses... If you've seen plagues, if you've seen cities burned to the ground and hundreds of people killed, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen the true nature of God. And his nature is to save, not destroy. And every time that the disciples would be like, man, I don't like those people, Samaritan village, Luke 9, 51 through 56, they won't let you preach there, let's call down fire. Like Elijah. The, the disciples, Luke 9, 51 through 56, you can read it today. The disciples are referencing scripture from the, from the Old Testament for us, Old Testament, to call down fire and kill the whole village in the name of God. Because they wouldn't let Jesus preach there. And not only that, they're half-breeds because they're Samaritans. So Jesus rebuked them. Severely censored them and said, I didn't come here to destroy men's lives. I came to save them. So what's the nature of the Father, guys? To save, not destroy. The works themselves reveal the nature of the Father. What does that mean? When Jesus is healing lepers, it's the nature of the Father that's on display. To heal the lepers, not destroy them. How about the woman caught in adultery? Whose nature is on display? Jesus said, if you can't see His nature in what I'm teaching, what I'm showing you, look at the works I'm doing. The Father's doing these things. The Father saved that woman from stoning. Come on, amen, somebody. When Jesus is dying on the cross, 
Where is God? 2 Corinthians 5.19 says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Where was he? In Christ. This, this is the real gospel. It should, it should be told. <laughs> the word should get out. Right, Scott? The word should get out of what the real gospel really is. Because it is good news. Look at John 1.18 Amplified. No man has ever seen God at any time, but the only unique son, the only begotten God, he is God himself, who's in the bosom, the intimate presence of the Father. He has declared him. He's revealed him and brought him out where God can be seen. He's interpreted the Father and made the Father known to us. Wow. John 14, 18, little Bible drill. Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans. Literally, literally he said, I won't leave you fatherless. I will come to you in the person of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to come to you. Today I'm, I'm next to you. I'm teaching you. But in, in a few days I'm going to be inside you. That's what Jesus is saying. A little while longer the world won't see me. But you'll see me. Because I live, you'll live. And in that day, what day? The day I come back to you in the Holy Spirit. You'll know that I'm in my Father. You're in me. And I am where? I am in you. The mystery of the gospel. Christ inside you. Don't tell me your sin can separate you from Him. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. He's not next to you. He's in you. He's already eradicated your sin issue, people. He wouldn't be living in you if He hadn't already done it. And I don't know about you, but now that He's in me, I don't get away with anything. I mean, my speech is a little off. My motive is a little off. And it's like, Steve. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. There's way more power in Christ's righteousness and love that's at work in you every day than there ever will be in rule keeping and human effort. Verse 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them, well, that's who loves me and who, he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I'll love him and I'll show myself to him. Whoever loves me, Jesus said, I'm going to show myself to him. I mean, we saw Jesus this morning in worship. He's not showing himself to you physically by the Spirit. Just like you have physical eyes that see in the natural realm, you have spiritual eyes that allow you to see in the realm of the Spirit. Verse 22, Judas, not Iscariot, said to Jesus, Lord, how is it you're going to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. (laughs) There's There's your reason why the veil came down. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are coming to enter you. The original dwelling place of God. Why? So he can fill the earth with his sons and daughters and put who he really is on display. And can I get a witness that the world we're living in right now needs to see the sons and daughters of God. They need to see who he really is. Amen. Of course they sin. Of course they're dumb. The world's going to world. Sinners sin. Cats meow. Dogs bark. 
Didn't you do all those things before you had Christ in you teaching you a better way? Not only teaching you, but empowering you unto a better way. John 16, 25. We just keep rolling through John. Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you in figurative language. But the time is coming when I won't do that anymore. And I'll tell you plainly about the Father. <laughs> How many of you think we got a better covenant with better promises? I mean, wow. Now I get that. I get that scripture now. No four to six inch veil here, but indwelt by the very presence of God the Father. Verse 26, in that day, you'll ask in my name. And I don't say to you that I'll have to pray to the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you. Because you've loved me and believed that I came from him. I came from the Father and I've come into the world. But again, I leave the world and I go to the Father. My goodness. Jesus' goal was to get us praying to the Father in His stead. He's going to depart and multiply Himself because unless a seed goes into the ground and dies, it'll be the only one. But if it dies, it produces much grain. So like begets like. If you sow corn, you get corn. If God sows a son into the world, He reaps sons. Jesus not introducing a new prayer technique to the disciples. Hey, you don't need to talk to me anymore. You can actually talk to the Father. He is introducing to them, you can now live life as I lived it, as a son. Now, you are not the Son of God. We all know that. (laughs) That's not hard to figure out. But you are a son of God. You are a daughter of the living God. Do you see what he's doing? He's going to take your hand and he's going to take the Father's hand and put them together so that you can live life as a son. That you know what this is like. And he not only taught it, he uh, modeled it, and then he paid every debt and price that would allow you to now talk to the Father in his stead, on his behalf. When you pray in Jesus' name, if you'll eat that scripture... Look at that word. It, it literally means in his stead, not J-E-S-U-S, that if you throw out and tag Jesus to everything, you can have whatever you want. It's his character, his nature, his stead. You, you're praying, if you will, in him. Your relationship to the Father. And so the ministry of the Father continues through many sons and daughters. That Romans 8 says... All of creation is groaning, right, to see the revealing of the sons of God. It's not a new technique, guys. This is introducing to you, you can, you can live life on this planet as an offspring of the living God, just like I lived it. The word here for pray, do not think that I'll have to pray in your stead, means this, to implore or request for you from a special preferred position. Jesus is saying, guys, do not think that I have to go to the Father like I've got some unique position that you don't have. I'm going to give you my position so that you can live and know life as a son or a daughter of the living God. Can I get an amen in the house on that? Jesus made a way where now you can say things like the Father in me does the works. You're so kind. 
Why, why do you always buy me lunch? You know, why, why are you always looking out for me? How come you came and mowed my lawn? And I didn't even ask you. You saw it needed. What, where's all this come from? You can say it's the Father in me who does these things. Why? Because He loves you. He's looking for more and more sons. So He's showing Himself to you. Now, don't be weird with Him, okay? Don't be weird. Did you know it can be true about you that it, that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? Is this even possible? I've got a personal witness to this. If you knew Steve Eden in high school, at Hera High School, unequivocally, I could bring any of them here who knew me back then. Stacy knew me. <laughs> You can talk to her. There is more of Father God revealed in Steve's life now than there was when he was in high school. There's more of the Father's nature revealed through me now than there was back then. So yes, it can be true that people can see the work of the Father in each of our lives. Colossians 1.27, the mystery of the gospel is Christ in you, the hope of glory, which glory, just godliness, the hope of God-likeness. You are capable of putting God the Father on display for others to see. So the first step is knowing that. Because the enemy will come and say, oh, you don't look anything like him. Oh my gosh, you're a terrible witness. Nobody, none of that matters. Now you know that you are capable because His divine nature is in you. You're capable of walking with Him, being submitted to Him, and then putting His nature on display, His kindness, His goodness. Amen? This is why the revelation that Jesus is teaching and modeling that God is a good Father and not the Godfather. (laughs) He'll break your bones if you cross Him. This is important because it's a law of life that how you believe God is towards you is how you'll treat other people. Well, I don't believe in God. Well, principle still applies. If you think God is absent, then you'll be absent. Who we believe He is to us because we're branches, what we take in, what we receive, that's that's what we give. Now, 27, the Father Himself loves you. That word is not agape. He, he is love and He loves everyone. But this word is phileo. Where we get Philadelphia. This is, are you ready? I ate it for you. Affectionate friendship. What kind of friendship? Affectionate friendship. Intimate and warm. Kinship love. I thought, kinship love? What does kinship mean? I looked it up. It means a relationship by nature, by family, by blood. (laughs) So he's agape to everyone, but he phileos you. Because you're of him. God created everybody. He is father of those who are born again. Amen? But let's don't hoard it. Because if he offered it to us, it's open for everybody. Amen? (laughs) He has joined himself supernaturally to you. He reconciled you, created a union. 
it's okay to believe it, guys. It was always his idea. It's okay to believe it. It's his idea. He loved you all along. He's loved you all along. From before the foundations of the world. Galatians 4, 4, New Living Translation. But when the right time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent Him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that He could adopt us as His very own children. And because we are His children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out. Same word, Jesus came referring to God. And they thought He was nuts or disrespectful. Or both. Look at that. This, by the same Spirit of the Son, we cry out, Abba, Father. You are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you're His child, God made you His heir. Everything that Christ received as a son, you get. Why? Because you're so good? No, because He's so good. And He's in you. The covenant is between the Father and the Son. You just happen to be in the Son, and the Son is in you. That's how you're in the covenant. Amen. How you believe God the Father interacts with you will determine how you interact with others. If God is the Godfather, you'll relate to Him through fear, intimidation, and separation. Hence the veil. You hear us talk about co-mingling. Stop co-mingling the Old Testament with the New Testament. You weren't even offered the Old Covenant law unless you were born Jewish. This is your offer. This is what's on the table. No fear, no separation, no intimidation. Instead, through Christ and being a son, you relate to the Father through faith, through closeness, and are you ready? Dependence. Dependence. I'm dependent upon the Father. All right, let's go to Luke 15 11. This is all worth the price of admission right here. This is it. If you're sleepy, wake up, because here we go. Luke 15 11. Jesus is going to introduce a parable. Now, remember, he's talked about the, the coin. And what was the other one? Parable of the lost coin. Parable of the lost sheep. And now the parable of the prodigal son, which we have aptly named the parable of the perfect father. Because both these sons are jacked up. Luke 15, 11, Jesus said, a certain man had two sons. Remember, he is here to teach and to demonstrate. If you're a follower of Christ, know his teachings. He's here to teach and to demonstrate. God as father. Two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Okay, older brother gets two thirds. Younger brother is the only one left. So he gets one third. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, wasted his inheritance with prodigal living. But when he had spent all that he had, there arose a severe famine in the land and he began to be in want or lack. He's lacking. Then he went and joined himself, became one with a citizen of that country and uh, who sent him into the fields to feed swine. Now, uh, if you're in the Jewish culture and you're feeding swine, That's the point. You can't get much lower than that. All right, that's the point he's making. Verse 16, And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. But no one was giving him anything. He's just a hired servant, guys. He's not even a slave. Slaves at least knew they were going to eat. They had a place to stay, the bunkhouse. Hired servant, well, if there's anything left. 
That's why he's in the pig pen looking for food. He's less than a slave. All right, verse 17. What I want you to see in this, the father, I don't know where you're at today in your relationship with God, but if you think he's going to settle for anything less than sonship, you're wrong. Because <laughs> this is the plan all along. Sonship, that you relate to God your father and put him on display because you carry his nature. His authority, his bank account, his name, his kingdom, it's all yours. Matthew 5, 3, how blessed are they who know their need of God. All of heaven belongs to them. All of heaven's resource. All of its love, all of its forgiveness, all of its joy. All of it is available to you now through the power of the Holy Spirit to put on display in this world because nobody in heaven needs your help. They're all beholding God. They got got no problem knowing who he is. All the people here, a lot of problems. Blinded. Can't see past their circumstances, their feelings. Can't see past the lies and the rhetoric. Are you with me? It would be one thing if he said, how blessed are they who know their need of God. They belong to the kingdom of heaven. That would be amazing. I belong to heaven. But no, he says all of heaven belongs to you. Why? Because I need you to put God on display here. So as a joint heir and a son, you have all of heaven's love, all of heaven's forgiveness, all of heaven's peace, all of heaven's resource. I guess the truth is the Lord is your shepherd and you you don't lack. You don't lack for anything. Oh, Father, let us see the good news. Let us see it, see it, see it. All right, where did I leave off? Verse 17. I want you to see... He won't settle for anything less than sonship and daughtership. He won't. So change your mind today if you think you're going to live as a, as a slave or a hired servant. Because we've all been where this younger son is. We've all been there. Right? We left our prodigal living and thought we'd done so much wrong, so much bad has happened. There's no way it'll ever be the same. But... This story paints a different picture. So when the prodigal came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants? Okay, there it is. Have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger. Did you notice he came to himself here, guys? Jesus knew that so long as a man is away from his father, he's not himself. Not who he was created to be. And when I say father, I mean your heavenly father. When man is away from God, we aren't who we're supposed to be. We're not who we're designed to be. We're supposed to be living as sons, deriving life from our father. Jesus is also pointing out that man is too great a creation to be satisfied by sin. He came to himself. He had an aha moment. Sin is not all I thought it was cracked up to be. It doesn't satisfy me. Only Father God can satisfy me. What's my point? Father uses your trips to the pig pen. God wastes nothing. Why? Because He's redemptive by nature. He'll take whatever the enemy meant for, for evil and He'll work it for good. He's redemptive by nature. So He wastes nothing. And sometimes He uses your pig pen trips because sometimes... We have to realize who we're not before we can 
discover who we are. <laughs> Boy, if I had time, I'd just pass around the microphone. Who wants to share how many times it took you to figure out who you're not? Still working, Stephen. That's exactly right. All right, let's go to verse 18. I'll arise and go to my father. I'll say to him, he's preparing his speech. Dad, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just can you please make me like one of your hired servants? Not even a slave. I, I wasn't until this week that I realized he was asking for less than a slave. I always talk about the bunkhouse. Like I said, the slaves at least had a place to sleep and they would be fed. But the hired servant... Anybody's guess. So let me say this about the prodigal. He had faith in his father's goodness or he wouldn't have gone home. He's got a mustard seed at least of his father's goodness or he wouldn't have gone home. But he sold his father's love short. He sold something else short. His desire for sons. Because this is the plan all along. He sold his desire for sonship short because he asked us to be a temporary servant, not a son. That's why I showed you Galatians 4, 7 right before I read this, because you are not a slave, you are a son. Why? Because of Christ. And because he has sent forth his own spirit into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. You are not a slave, not a slave, not a servant. You're a son. You belong to him. You're his if you're like me, I've embarrassed him many times. But for all the things that I'm not, I am his. I am his. And he's not ashamed of me. And he's not ashamed of you. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Because if, if G, remember, Jesus is putting sonship on display. He's teaching it. He's modeling it. If the father was ashamed, Jesus would have brought it out right here. In my world... I think, welcome back, go take a shower, would have been kind. But we, we don't get that, and we sure don't get, you're an embarrassment to this family. Get in there, take a shower. Instead, we've got a party going on. We got rings and robes and sandals. Why? Because the Father will settle for nothing, nothing less than sons. And I'm telling you, I said it earlier, in the world we're living in, the world needs to see the sons and daughters of God. They need to see the body of Christ is still alive and well in planet Earth. Amen. So, he sold his Father's goodness short, but he did go home, so kudos to him. And can I point something else out to you? Just a principle. Notice his prayer originally was, Father, give me. That was his first prayer. Father, give me. Self-centered. Materialism-centered. That was his prayer. And how did it end? What was the fruit of it? I perish here with hunger. I lack, I lack, I lack. But now, 
Father, I've sinned in heaven. Verse 19, I'm no longer going to be your son. What's his prayer now? 19, make me. Father, make me what you want me to be. And what did he get? A kick in the butt. How dare you do that? Go clean yourself up. No, he got way more than he was willing to ask for. Why? Because his prayer was now based on the goodness of his father. He's at the mercy of the father. Father, make me what you want me to be. Hello, Western Christians. (laughs) Father, give me. Give me this. I need it. I need this to be happy. No, you don't. Father knows what you have need of even before you ask him. And you're too great a creation to be satisfied by materialism. In 2014, the Lord said, Steve, don't you ever teach them prayer as a method to get things. They're too great a creation to be satisfied by things. Only I can satisfy them. So teach them to utilize prayer to know me. Somebody ought to clap your hands in this house. Thank you, Jesus. Father, give me. I perish here with hunger. Father, make me. You'll get more than you ever asked for because now you're in his hands. Do you trust him? Will you trust him to make you whatever he deems you to be. Amen. All right, so that's verse 20, uh, or verse 19. Verse 20 is, He arose and He came to His Father, practicing His speech. But when He was still a great way off, His Father saw Him. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah, here it comes, right? The swift kick. No, His Father saw Him and had compassion on Him. And he ran. The father ran. The father ran. The father took off in the story and fell on his boy's neck and kissed him. What was the plan from Ephesians 1? That he would be holy and without blame in his sight forever. That's how the father sees his boy. Because all the boy did was turn around. That's all he did. Turned around and came home. This word right here, but when he was still a great while, his father saw him. Get ready, you Greek scholars. Get ready for this. 3708 in your strong concordance, the word horeo, H-O-R-A-O, means to perceive or to discern by the spirit, not naturally. To spiritually see someone with your mind and your inward perspective. He... He's not even looking at all the swine bleep on his boy. He can't see it because he's looking at him by the Spirit. He's not looking at where he is. He's looking at who he created him to be. He's looking at his destiny as a son. 2 Corinthians 5.16, from now on we know no man after the flesh. The Father is modeling for you how to see people by the Spirit. You can look at their present condition or you can look at their potential in Christ. Everybody say hooray-o. Come on, say it really like hooray. Hooray-o. Yeah. Hooray for hooray I love that. Yeah, the word saw is hooray H-O-R-A-O. 1 John 3, 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we're His kids. Therefore, the world doesn't know us. Because it doesn't know Him. Why? They can't see Him. 
God is spirit. Father is spirit. Titus 1.15, to the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Even their mind and conscience are defiled. Woo! That'll preach itself. To the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Nobody's pure. No one's worth dying for. Those rotten, no good, nasty people get what they deserve. Um, <laughs> how did Jesus die for the world? Because the world was so pure or because he was? That's how you do it. You don't love people based on their purity. You love them based on yours. The purity of your own heart. Amen? Now, out of your heart, does that mean we need to speak truth to people? Is love that you tell your kids, just do whatever you want? Carte blanche? No. Love does speak truth. In love and with a pure heart. Well, that'll preach right there. We need this purity of vision in our heart. And how we see other people. You know, Father, help us to see what you see in other people. Uh, I'm going to give you a golden nugget here. The best way for you to learn to see the purity in other people is start letting God show you how pure he sees you. You cannot give away what you have not first received. You are pure because of Christ. You can't get more holy, right? It's His purity. Can't get more holy than Christ living in you. Amen, somebody? How am I doing on time? Thank you. (laughs) Who will give me five minutes? Five, ten, fifteen, (laughs) twenty, twenty-five, (laughs) thirty. Man, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is... There is liberty. We're having fun. Luke fifteen twenty one, And the son said to him, <laughs> even though the father's tackled him and kissing him, Father, Dad, I have sinned against heaven. Let me get my speech out. I've been practicing. I have <laughs> sinned against heaven in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. We've all been there. Things will never be the same. I, I did love God, and then I fell away. I, I did that. I wandered here. I drank this. I did this. We think it'll never be the same. But the father said to his servants, he doesn't even speak to the boy. <laughs> he puts it on announcement. Bring out the best robe. What kind of robe? Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. <laughs> Bring out my old dirty bathrobe. That's about what he deserves. Put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet, guys. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. Why? This my son, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found and they began to party. Right, young people? They still say that? Party? Uh, they did it Carl Albert, right? Partey, T-E-Y. I said earlier, a nice hug and please go take a shower would have been nice, but no, he's going to lavish love on the boy. The hug, the hugs and kisses all came before the bath. I love that principle. You really can't clean yourself up 
I mean, for, for what's required in God's holiness, you can't do it. He has to do it. Yeah. It reminds me of John 13. So write this one down. If you've not read John 13 in a while, so beautiful where he washes the disciples' feet. He gets to Peter and Peter says, never shall you wash my feet. Never. If this is going to work, I owe you a lifetime of works and I will start by washing your feet. Jesus said, if I don't wash you, get this straight, Peter. If I don't do the cleansing, we cannot be together. And the church has spent eons trying to cleanse ourselves. If you want to be clean, receive the gift. Let him wash you. Humble yourself. What's the criteria? You got to humble yourself. You got to say there's no way I can get to God on my own resume. Both these boys are trying to do that. They both want to come to dad on their own resume. One is completely and utterly destroyed because he's, he thinks he's got no chance. Well, the older brother, he's mad because his resume is better than that boy. I guess he forgot the standard isn't his younger brother. The standard is Christ. And in lieu of Christ, he got no chance. So who's got to do the cleansing, guys? Did he do it? Is, is it enough? Then start walking with him and talking with him. But what about when I stumble? Get up and keep walking and talking with him. Nothing can separate you from his love. Nothing can separate you from his training. Nothing can separate you from his internal teaching. Just keep going. Keep going. You think I got it all together? You are wrong. But I at least am willing to get up. I will get up and keep going because I'm learning to be a son. So, uh, yeah, he was dead and they began to partay. Yeah, sorry about that. Why is this such a big deal to the father? Why did he not even respond to the boy? Because he will settle for nothing less than sonship. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. It was always the plan and it was his good pleasure. This is his good pleasure plan. Sonship matters, so the father had to begin the process of restoration. The robe represents the father's desire to restore uh, your right standing. And let me give you one more. Restore your honor. Restore your dignity as his son. Because all those things are what the enemy tries to take from you when, you when you do it wrong. He'll try to take your dignity and your honor. Sin will steal it, right? Shame is a thief of intimacy. The father gives him the robe to restore his dignity and honor and tell him again, you are my son. This is your identity. I know what happened, but you are who I say you are. Not the sum total of your actions. Now that'll keep that boy out of self-righteousness. See, his, his younger brother's got the same disease. Comparisonitis. The dreaded disease. His older brother thinks he's justified because he didn't do prodigal living. The younger brother thinks he's slain because he did do prodigal living. And the father's trying to teach them both. You're where you're at. Your identity is what it is because of me. Amen. That's the gospel. Don't let shame be a thief of intimacy. Forsake it. And if you stumble, get up and close the door. If you let something in, get up and close the door. The ring represents the father's desire to restore your authority. It's a signet ring, giving you the power of attorney, which means you get to represent your father now and his dealings. Love it. You represent his name. You represent him. 
He's giving this back to the boy and he hadn't even taken a bath yet. He gave him shoes. <laughs> Your identity must be inner, not outer. God looks on the, the heart. Man looks outwardly. Shoes represent the father's desire to restore your fellowship with family. Hence the shoes. Slaves didn't have shoes. Sons do. Family does. And then I think also the party is family too. You're welcome here. You're welcome here. Now, verse 25 through 28, it really gets good. His older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the church, I mean the house, he heard music and dancing. <laughs> So he called one of the servants, one of the ushers, and said, What is going on in there? We do not sing like that. We do not dance like that. And he said to him, Your brother has come. And because uh, your father received him safe and sound, your father killed your fatted calf. Because remember, everything else is his. He killed your fatted calf. <laughs> Give me a good name for a cow. Betsy. Betsy. Uh, your, da- uh, your dad killed Bessie. <laughs> so the older brother, he is angry. He would not go into church that day. His father came out and pleaded with him. His father had to come out. I tell you, these boys. So he answered and said to his dad, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed one command. Oh my gosh. And yet you never even gave me a young goat that I could have a party. But as soon as... Remember what dad said? He said, my son, my son, he was lost, but he's found. Look at the older brother. This son of yours. I don't even know who this guy is. He's beneath me. He is not my brother. He's devoured your livelihood with harlots. Nowhere did it say harlots. Now, it did say prodigal living, but my guess is this is what lives in the mind of the older brother. He got to go hook up with the hookers. Something I've been wanting to do my whole time here, but I don't do it. Because I want you to like me. See, all that comes out. It comes out when your motive is exposed. When God goes to blessing somebody you didn't think ought to be blessed, it's time to tally up the works, people. What about me? Write this down, Romans 4, verse 4. To him who works for God, his blessings are considered debt. Father, you owe me. Have you not been watching me? I've never transgressed a command. I'm so far better than that son of yours. Verse 31. And he said to him, Son, you're always with me. All that I have is yours. We could have partied any time. Name the date, man. It was right that we made Mary and glad, though, because your brother, your brother, your brother, your brother was dead. And was alive again. He was lost and he's been Found the older brother, he's so he's a great prototype of the self-righteous who'd rather see sinners destroyed than saved. But Jesus said on at least three occasions, I didn't come to destroy men's lives. I came to save them. So look, the world frustrates me, too. But grace is on the table, people. Let's put the love of God on. Amen. Let's let's love them into repentance. 
the early church, they were going by 3,000 and 5,000 and all these numbers are added to them. They weren't out arguing pagans. They were out loving them. They had community. They had such family and a connection with uh, the goodness of God that people were joining right and left. Amen. It's a good idea. So both of these boys want to come to the Father on their own resume. Self-righteousness, self-based righteousness will only land you in two places. We see it all over America. Either uh, you're, you're no good, you're terrible, you don't even deserve to live, or you're puffed up and you're arrogant and you're full of your own works. Makes you better than everybody else. So Jesus is brilliant. Look at the brilliance he's revealing here. Nobody is going to get the identity as a son based on their own merits. You're going to get it based on the goodness of dad. So he lifts it out of humanity's arms and puts it squarely on the only one who has the character to handle it. The father's nature can handle the reality that he is the one that makes us sons. He can handle it. That won't go to his head. If you made yourself a son, it could go to your head. Or it could go to your head for a day until you mess up and then you plummet into the abyss. Self-based righteousness won't work. It's a gift. Uh, Man, and I just want to say, you know, by the Spirit, what are we waiting for? He's already done it. So, you know, live with Him. Enjoy Him. Bless you. Live a relationship with Him. I mentioned the older son struggles with comparisonitis. He doesn't think the father is being fair, but again, the standard is Jesus, not your neighbor or whoever you think maybe you're better than that the enemy helps you with. The truth is when you see Christ as he is, it'll humble you. I don't care what your works or your church attendance is. And if you can't see the typology of the church in this, you need to grab a hold of it because the moral of the story here at the end is there's room enough in the father's house for all of us. Those who've done drugs and hookers and all that stuff and, you know, lived the prodigal life and wasted maybe 30 years of our life doing sinful things. There's room enough in dad's house and there's enough love for that person to be welcome here. Amen. But if you don't relate to that and you've been in church and you were born again on row number three, (laughs) you know, you've been in church your whole life. You've never smoked, drank, went with girls that do or however that thing goes. There's room enough in the Father's house for you too. But the only way we all get here is the Father. And, uh, you know, I think it's interesting, the music and dancing. We've all known people that, man, it's like every week do they have to go to the front? Every week do they have to dance? Every week do they have to rejoice? You don't know what he brought them out of. You don't. And if it bothers you that much, go ask them. What has God done for you? that causes you... I mean, every week you're rejoicing. Every week you're shedding tears. Every week you're thankful. Would you tell me what Dad did for you? Yeah. There's room enough in the Father's house for all of us. Because God is not fair. He is just. The older brother is accusing the father of cheating him out of a small gift while blessing that other boy. I mentioned last week, be careful if you're ever upset that you feel like God's blessing someone with something you think should have been yours. You know, like they got a raise, they got a promotion. My goodness, all these years I've been going to church. Where's my just desserts? Don't ever go to God and ask for what you deserve. Don't ever do that. 
What you need to do is turn it around. Love never fails. If you'll operate in the love of God for that brother or sister that got the promotion and you'll rejoice with them, you wait and see what Father does. Amen. Rejoice with them. If they're partying, party with them. Father, thank you for being so good. And you can say, I felt like that should have been mine, but you're my provider. Not this business. You. You're my provider, and I trust you. Where's all that go? It's just the enemy trying to rob you of expressing the Father's nature of love and goodness and kindness that, you know, if Joe got the promotion and you go put your arm around Joe, I'm so happy for you. And then share a scripture with him. Every good and perfect gift, Joe, comes from above, the Father of lights. Every good and perfect gift. You got blessed, and I'm happy for you. And then what if he says, well, you're not mad? I'm not mad. I know I work here, but my Father in heaven is who provides for me. And I trust him, and I'm celebrating with you today. On earth as it is in heaven. Let's change the world. Let's change the culture of selfishness and me-focusedness to the goodness of the Father that, man, that we're all on the same, you know, we're all on the same journey. We're all on the same team to get to know God. I will say in the uh, older brother's defense, even the younger son didn't notice his brother wasn't even there at the party. (laughs) So if you're the younger brother and you're celebrating and partying every week and your brother in Christ loves to worship like this, doesn't mean it's not worship. Go talk to him. I notice how reverent you always are before the Lord. Would you share with me what he's shown you? Would you show, show me, share with me what he's shown you about being holy and reverent before him? The father had to go out and get the older brother. The younger brother didn't even notice father so who's the parable really about the father what what did uh, jesus come to teach in the model god as father god as your father and he won't settle for less scott you guys can come let me say this in closing still today to this day the father's still trying to get those new to his house and new to his family and then those who've been in the house for years and years to get along to care for each other despite our differences. I don't care if you're a biker or a banker. I don't care if you're white, black, yellow, green. There's room enough in the Father's house for all of us. We all come the same way. Amen, somebody? We all come the same way. (laughs) Whether you're saved 20 years ago or 20 minutes ago, (laughs) there's room enough for all of us. Stand with me. You know, it's uh, at least worth a thought that the father really knew how jacked up the older brother was and he wanted to make absolutely sure that his older brother saw who he really was as a dad. Now, he didn't cause the prodigal son to go into the world, but he used that benevolence and he used that opportunity maybe just to show the older brother, hey, you've got me all wrong. This is who I am. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You're here this morning. You've never accepted Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Would you just slip your hand up right now and say, Brother Steve, I want to know Christ. I want to begin this relationship today. Anybody, anywhere, raise your hand real high so I can see it. I want to be born again. I want to become a child of the living God. Anybody, 
If you're here this morning and you say, Brother Steve, I don't want to relate to God as a servant or a slave or a hired hand, but as a son, as a daughter. And I would like to pray a prayer with you this morning that I'm setting a new course. I'm going to dig out the word on this. I'm going to walk with the Holy Spirit on this. I want to know more about sonship. If that's you, will you just open your hands like this with me? I'm going to pray for you. Father, this morning in Jesus' name, I thank you for the reality and truth of sonship. That we are worth more than we've been told. And I break off all the thieves of intimacy, shame and guilt and condemnation. Lord, and replace it with the truth. Your plan all along, that we be innocent, blameless, children of yours before you in your great love. Holy Spirit, remind us each and every day that we belong to our Father. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Can we clap our hands this morning? Hey, we're going to worship together and then we'll dismiss.